Praise the Lord. Y'all can be seated, and if you would turn to Luke this evening, Luke chapter 5. It's another healing night tonight. Let's believe God. Even if you're feeling good, got no symptoms in your body, believe God for somebody else in here. Somebody else is watching by internet. There's a lot of people that have symptoms that are needing a change in their body, and it is so easy for the Lord to do it. We don't have to heal ourselves. Hmm? Isn't that good news? We don't have to repair these organs or fix these glands or these levels. Or If we did, it would be exceedingly hard. We couldn't do it. All we got to do is expect Him to do it. And rest and trust Him to do it. And it's easy for Him. Easy for Him. And you got to believe it's easy for Him. You got to believe it can happen quickly. Easily. And if you believe that, it excites you. It doesn't depress you. Hmm? You can't be in faith and be scared and depressed. Just can't be. I've had people look at me, you know, I know what they're going through. We've all experienced these same kind of feelings. But it's, just, you know, people look at me and go, well, I'm just, I'm just believing God the best way I know how. No, honey, you're not. You can't be believing God like that. No. Believing God doesn't make you scared and depressed. Huh? Why would you be scared and depressed? Because you believe it's bad and going to get worse. And that's why you're scared. And if you're expecting it to get worse, you're not in faith. But no matter what it looks and feels like, if you believe God's heard your prayer, if you believe he's granted you your request, if you believe his power's already at work on you, changing the thing, that don't depress you. That don't scare you. That makes you glad even while you're still hurting. Right? That makes you glad even while you're still looking at a negative report. That's faith. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. But faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. You want to say that out loud with me? Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. So what if somebody is down, they're despairing, they're complaining, they're sad. What do you know? They're in unbelief. In, I don't care if they quoted five scriptures before they started crying. They're still in unbelief. Right? How about faith? Faith rejoices. Gives thanks. And is glad. Can you rejoice by faith even with tears in your eyes? Even when you've got all kind of bad feelings? Can you push through that and rejoice anyway? And give thanks to God anyway? That's faith. And that pleases God, my friend. Pleases the Lord. Well, the Bible said that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word. So let's get some more faith tonight. Let's get in this book. Let's build ourselves up. So we can stand against the onslaught of things that contradict. And feelings and symptoms and every other kind of thing. Luke chapter 5. Luke 5 and 12. It came to pass when Jesus was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now this is where millions of Christians are right now. They believe God could heal them if it was his will. But they're not sure whether it's his will or not. And uh, some people, I've talked to people before, and and, uh, you ask them, do you believe it's God's will for you to be healed? And they say, well, I don't know. I hope it is. They say, well, how are we going to find out? Well, I thought you'd pray. And if it was his will, I'd be healed. And if it wasn't, I wouldn't be healed. Well, no faith can exist like that. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what God said. And so uh, you can't have faith to be healed and still be questioning God's will for your healing. You got to get that settled. Just like you have to get it settled that it's God's will for you to be saved. 
Hmm? And then you can have faith to be born again. Didn't the scripture say he's not willing that any should perish? Now what it said? It's not his will that any should perish. Now some people say, well, yeah, but obviously it's not his will for everybody to be healed. Because if it was, they'd be healed and they're not all healed. So it's obviously it's not his will for all to be healed. Wrong. You could say the same thing about people being born again. Couldn't you? Why couldn't you say the same thing? You say, well, it's obviously not God's will for all to be saved because they're not all saved. And if it was his will for them all to be saved, they'd all be saved. And they're not. No, it is God's will for all to be saved. It is not his will for any to perish. Well, then is everybody saved? No. No. You mean people are perishing, although it's contrary to the will of God? Yes. Yes. People are not being saved, even though it's the will of God for them to be saved? Right. There's all kind of things happening on this planet that's not God's will. You know why? The reason for all of the pain and all of the terrible tragedies... And the hunger and the sin and the cruelty and the destruction that is in the earth. The reason for all of it is because man has a free will. And man has chosen to disobey God and not believe God and do whatever people want to do. And because of that, you got all this terrible stuff in the earth. But glory to God, soon and very soon, he's coming back. And he's going to fix all this. Oh, hallelujah. He's going to fix it. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And there's not going to be any curse in it. I don't know if we know what that means. You know what that means? That means it will never again be too cold. It will never again be too hot. There will be never again a tornado or a hurricane or a destructive hailstorm or ice storm. Every day the weather will be perfecto. Just right. There will be no more hospitals. No more cemeteries. No more mental institutions. No more jails. None. Didn't the Bible say no more pain? No more crying? No more sorrow, no more dying, no more. Glory to God. This is in our near future. Soon and very soon. We'll all be out of here and into this. But like we studied uh, last time, week before last, I guess when I was with you last. We can enjoy the earnest of our inheritance. A foretaste of our physical resurrection in the quickening of our mortal body. Romans 8.11 said it. If the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, what would happen? He will quicken. That word means make alive. Make alive your mortal body. Now one of these days, his body is going to be changed and no longer be mortal. It will be immortal. But while it's mortal, we don't have to just, you know, uh, struggle and fail and be destroyed. This mortal body can be quickened with God's life-giving power. How many understand that a big part of Jesus' ministry was healing people? Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. A big part. Wasn't a side issue with him. Well, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was interested in it then, he's interested in it now. If it was a big part of his ministry then it's a big part of his ministry now so this man says Lord I know you can heal me if you will if it's your will and you got millions of people trying to answer that question right now all over the world Christians good people at home sick in the hospital sick different places all over the world saying Lord I know you could heal me I know you could I believe you have all power I know you could if it be your will. We've got ministers of all kind of denominations praying all over the place. Lord, heal them if it be thy will. Now, why do they pray this way? 
What scripture is this based on? Huh? Where did they see Jesus ever tell anybody it wasn't his will to heal them? Where do we see him ever praying for anybody if it be God's will? Or any of the disciples? You know, in order for something to be scriptural, there's something you need for it. Scripture. And some folk want to, you know, take us to issue about it and think we're teaching something wrong. Well, where's your scripture for what you say you believe? You know, show us at least one. Where Jesus said, no, I'm sorry, God's working something out in your life. No, I'm sorry, it's not God's will to heal you for his mysterious reasons. You can't find such a thing in the scriptures. And yet millions believe this instead of what we're about to read right here. How many believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he's no respecter of persons, and whatever he answered this man would be his answer to you? Well, what did he answer him? Come on, help me out now. The man said, Lord, I know you can. I know you can heal me if you will. Tell me, read it. What did Jesus say? What did he say? Jesus said, he put forth his hand and he touched him and he said, I will. I don't care how many theologians and how many seminaries and how many schools and how many books said he won't. He said, I will. To me, this transcends everybody's theories and opinions and experiences and ideas. It is written. I will. I will. I will. If he's never changed, he's still saying I will. If he's no respecter of persons, whatever he said to him, he's saying to you. I will. And I could just stop right here and say, it's answered for me. It's answered for me. It is his will. He said, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy departed from him. Glory to God. The uh, living Bible says it like this. He said, the man said, sir, if you only will, you can clear me of every trace of my disease. Jesus reached out and touched the man and said, of course I will. Be healed. And the leprosy left him instantly. Don't you like that? Of course I will. Who said it? Jesus. Now, who are you going to believe? Jesus. Jesus. So we've been on this for some weeks now, establishing from the Word of God, God's will for healing. Here's the question. Is it God's will for all of us to be healed today? Now? Well, we've been answering it. We have seen different reasons why we're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed. One was God's word is medicine. Two, a strong spirit will sustain you in physical pain and problems. Three, the original creation. We ask the question, on which day did God create cancer? On which day did God create high blood pressure or AIDS? <laughs> Sickness was not a part of his original creation. And number four, God's will in heaven. How many sick folks you got up there? Zero. Uh, Number five, the origin of sickness. Where did it come from? We saw it came as a result of sin. Like uh, Alexander Dowie said, he said sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. That's how it got here. Well, how could it be God's will for us to have something that is the foul offspring of the devil and sin? It's not his will. Number six, we saw sickness is a work of the devil. That's not my opinion. We proved it from four different places in the scriptures. And there are others. In Job, it says the devil made Job sick. In Psalms, it said the sickness is a thing of the devil. And we saw in um, Luke uh, 13, 16, sickness is called satanic bondage. And in Acts 10, 38, sickness is called satanic oppression. Well, then why would people call it a blessing when the Bible calls it all these things? Let's stay with the Bible. I said, let's stay with the Bible. Sickness is a work of the devil. Well, surely the Lord doesn't want it. It's not his will for a work of the devil to be in you. Seven, we saw we have a covenant of healing. Eight, we saw the eternal names of God. He still is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us. Nine, we saw sickness is a curse. Ten, we saw the various types of healing in the redemption. Eleven, we saw the redemption. Glory to God, by his stripes, you were and you are healed. Mm, Glory to God. Help me out, what else did we see? 
first fruits. The first fruits of our inheritance. Now we're up to number 13. Is that right? Number 13 tonight. We are sure it is God's will for all to be healed today because of the eternal fatherhood of God. Go with me, if you would, to Psalm 103 and Matthew 7. Psalm 103, Matthew 7. Let's pray and release our faith before we read this further. Father, we all together put our eyes on you right now and our heart towards you. We're asking and expecting answers, revelation, truth, strengthening in our spirit and feeding of our faith. From your word is only you can do. Uh, Show us any changes we need to make. Uh, Changes in our thinking. Our talking. Our believing. Anything that's hindered you. uh, Been in the way of you blessing us like you want to. Or taking care of us like you want to. Increasing us like you want to. We'll yield to you. And we purpose not to be hearers only. But by your grace we are and shall be. Doers. Doers of the word of God in Jesus name. Said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Psalm 103, are you here? 103. Verse 13. Well, read verse 11. As the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. That's a lot of mercy. As far as the east is from the west. How far is that? Huh? I know if I take off in the plane and start flying west and just keep flying, when do I stop flying west? You got to stop and turn around. Or turn around. It's hard to stop in the middle of the air, but you got to turn around. You can just keep flying west from now on. It's a long ways anyhow. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's how far your sins are away from you. Far enough you'll never find them. He has removed them. They're gone. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. The Lord is merciful. On us, and he looks upon us, is kind and compassionate toward us, just like a father is with his child whom he loves. All fatherhood, good fatherhood, has come from God, who is the great father. You know, Ephesians, what is it, chapter 3? He said, I bow my knees. To the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Don't you like the sound of that? Father and family. See church is not supposed to be this cold institution. Hmm? It's a family. It's supposed to feel like a family. It's supposed to be a family. Right? Because we are family forever. Right? All backgrounds. All from every tribe. Every race. Every background. Every language. If you're genuinely born again, we're all brothers and sisters. Everybody who's been born into the family of God, we are eternal, permanent family. So we might as well work it out. Right? Because we, we're going to be looking at each other throughout the ages. And we might as well get over ourselves now. We might as well forgive each other now. Because uh, we're going to be together. Hmm? Who knows? Uh, you know, that person you've had trouble with, you may live beside in heaven. That'd be just like the Lord. You got to know that he loves them every bit as much as he loves you. I don't care how they have acted and what they have done. 
He's merciful. One of the most amazing things about, to me, about God, who he is and his character and his ability, is his patience. Which is, you know, part of his love. That he is. I mean, your patience can be gone. I mean, shot. You're ready to strangle somebody. You, you have had it. You have, you put up with all you are willing to. And his has barely begun. Barely begun. And you best be glad he's that way with them. Cause he's also that way with you. And me. Slow to get angry. Of great mercy. Long-suffering, kind, ready to forgive, the Bible said. And he looks over all his children like a father does his child because that's what we are. We're his children. He's our father. Look in Matthew 7, please. Matthew 7. In uh, prophesying about the new covenant to come, you know, they knew God... As God the Almighty. God creator of heaven and earth. And they were referred to as his servants. So in fact before you go to. Hold your place in Matthew. Go to Galatians. They knew God as God. Creator. Judge. And you'll see them continuously referred to as his servants. But in Galatians. The, uh, oh, what is it? Fourth chapter? Fourth chapter, verse 1. Actually, you got to realize how, how excited he was preaching already in chapter 3. When he said, and this was not written in chapter and verse, you know, as a letter, it all flowed together. But in 329, he had said, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Talking about us Gentiles who can't even trace back who our great-grandma was. You know, racism is so ignorant because you don't know what you are. You hating somebody because of a skin tone, you hating yourself. You're probably 30%, whatever you hate. Ain't got sense enough to know it. What is complexion? Huh? Skin tone. Skin tone don't make a man. Don't make a woman any more than hair color or eye color. It's just, you know, you got good white folks and sorry white folks. Good black folks and sorry black folks. But the sorry black folks and the sorry white folks can get saved. Right? And become good ones. Right? But what I'm saying is we're all so mixed up. You don't know what you are. And the good thing about it, when you get born again, your genealogy is easy to trace. I am born of God. Who's your daddy? God. God. What color is he? Fire. He's fire colored. I guess that'd be every color. You ever looked at fire? That's every color. Right? He's fire color. And... uh, how do we get off on all that? It's true nevertheless, isn't it? If you've been born again, all this stuff should be out the window. Because you, through your faith in Jesus, are Abraham's seed. Abraham's our father in the faith. All of us. No matter what language, what color, what background, all of us the same. And we are joint heirs with Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I am Christ. I am am Abraham's seed. And heir according to the promise. promise. (laughs) Oh boy, I could say some more. Well, let's keep going. He said, the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But is under tutors. And governors till the time appointed of the Father. Even so when we were children. Were under bondage. In bondage under the elements of the world. You know we camped on this a while back. Talked about growing up spiritually. 
and said that until you grow up and develop spiritually, there's all kind of things you and I won't get to operate in. We won't get to enjoy. Uh, little children, you know, we talked about athletes. People who have who are at the top of their game in basketball or baseball or football. They could not play like they play now when they were three years old. They couldn't do that when they were five or even ten. But as they grew and developed to and reached their full potential physically, now they can do exploits that they could not even approach doing. And the same thing is true with us spiritually. When we grow up, we'll be privy to things we had not a clue of. God will share things with us. Uh, but some things you just can't tell a three-year-old. They wouldn't understand if you told them. they got to grow up. Somebody, are you still growing up even though we're not teaching on the series? Everybody said out loud, I'm still growing up. Still growing up. He went on to say, verse 6. Because you are sons, we are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. The Bible said we have received the spirit of adoption. Romans says, whereby we cry, Abba. Abba is like one of the first words that a little child would say, what we'd probably think today, Dada. Abba. So depending on the language, it's the first uh, reference to Dada that a little infant would make. And the Spirit of God is that Spirit. The Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of adoption. He's the Spirit who makes you feel like you belong. And when you see where the Holy Spirit is really in manifestation, it doesn't make you feel excluded. Hmm? He makes you feel like you belong if you yield to it. Now, if you want to be rebellious, you're going to stay by yourself. And you're going to be lonely. Because the scripture says that. The psalmist said uh, that the Lord makes, you know, the solitary to dwell in families. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Hmm? Rebellious people are going to be lonely people. And it's not going to change until they change. Rebellious people, what do you mean? People that nobody can tell anything to. You know? Nothing's ever good enough for them. They can't ever find the right church. Every church is too, too many hypocrites. Too unspiritual. They don't do this right. They don't do that. They're looking for the perfect church. And if they found it, when they joined it, they'd mess it up. (laughs) Churches are made up of people. You're not going to find a church where nobody ever makes a mistake. No. Besides that, that's not what you're supposed to be led by. Is you judging churches to see if you're going to put your stamp of approval on. The head of the church will tell you to get in one. And there's going to be some things you like and there may be some things you don't like. But if he is your Lord, you are to endure even hardness as a good soldier and show up at your post and do your duty and serve your Lord. Come on now, are you with me? Boy, we got a lot of weak, unfaithful, uncommitted people in the body of Christ today. And they just hop from one thing to another and they never stick with anything and they never see anything through. And so they are babies now, even after 40 years of being born again, and they'll never grow up like this. You got to stick to grow up. You got to stick and stay where you're assigned. And you got to be faithful and you got to show and do what you're supposed to do and anointed to do. He said, though, that the Spirit of God has... uh, Uh, Been shed abroad in our heart, the love of God and the Holy Ghost, the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Keep reading. He said, we are no longer just servants. What did that verse say? You are no more a servant, but what? A son. Somebody say, I'm not just a servant. I'm a son of God. He said, and if you're a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ. Jesus is my Lord, but he's also my brother. I don't know if we know how big that is. We got friends in high places. We know somebody. I've had people look at me when things went well. They said, you know somebody? I said, yeah, I know. I know somebody. 
They think I'm talking about a human behind a desk somewhere. I'm talking about somebody seated at the right hand of majesty on high. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's everything. And he's my brother. He's your brother. Do you remember reading in the gospel accounts how people got upset with Jesus when he referred to God as his father? Oh, man. They said, you are a man and you're making yourself equal with God because you call him your father? Oh, it made them mad. And see, religion disputes this. And religion keeps God way up here and you way down here. And you are a little ignorant worm. And God is almighty and too glorious to touch you. And that's why all these religions have all these works. And a bunch of them will tell you, you can't even go to God directly. You got to find some other people to go through. You can't go direct to God, but it's a lie. I said it's a lie. The Bible said there is one God and there's one, not two or three or four, one mediator between God and men. It is the man Christ Jesus. There's only one person you got to go through to get to God and he's your brother. He's your brother. He calls you brother. Oh, don't you remember when he was raised from the dead? What did he tell them? Some of the women saw him at the tomb right after he came out of the tomb. This is before he has gone anywhere. He just walked out. His body was laying in there cold and stiff. And the Holy Ghost flowed over his body and his spirit came back in it. And he's standing up there, glory to God, back in his body. They saw him just minutes after this happened. And they fell down and they're going to hug him and they're going to put their hand. He said, no, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. See, he now is about to operate in the high priestly office, which was typified for centuries, right? In the Old Testament, you know, once a year, once a year, the high priest would wash himself and put on his special clothes. And he would go into the Holy of Holies after sacrifices had been made and he would offer up and pour the blood. The blood that could never take away sins. Blood of animals, innocent animals, could only cover over the sins for another year. And they had to do it again. Oh, but this day, this day the spotless Lamb of God has risen from the dead. Hebrews tells us He entered into the Holy of Holies with His own blood. Woo, glory to God. To obtain an eternal redemption for us. Never to be done again. There is now no more sacrifice for sin. Never again. Which includes your little works trying to make up for your sin. Hmm? No, serve God. Do things because you love God. Because you love people. But not to try to pay for your sins. No penance. Is not in the Bible. Penance is an insult to God. It's acting like the blood is not enough. Serious stuff. But what else did he say to them? They're standing there. They're about to grab him. You know, they're they're amazed. Last time I saw him, he was dead. They're going, oh, master. He said, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I've not yet ascended. But you go to the disciples and tell them that I'm going to my father and your father. I'm going to my God and your God. Ooh, glory to God. The way is being made for you and me to come boldly before the very throne of grace. And God be our Father, and us be His Son, and us call Jesus our elder brother. And Him acknowledge us as family. Family. Said out loud, God's my Father. I'm His child. We're His family. And this is eternal family. This is forever family. Said out loud, he is my forever father. He is my forever father. 
We are his forever family. Family forever. This is what the gangs are looking for. This is what the underworld crime family is doing. They talk about family, talk about family, but the love ain't there. No, they'll say, I love you like a brother, but I got to whack you. (laughs) Nothing personal. Right. Yeah, yeah. The kind of love that people, you know, crime families and, and gang families, people that go on and on about it. Oh, we're with you, we're your family. No, they're not. No. As soon as it comes between their hide and yours, you're out. There's only one family in the universe where somebody love you and die for you and spill their blood for you, sacrifice themselves. So you can live. It's the family of God. And all of us now have this love shed abroad in our hearts. And we're supposed to be the same way just like him. We'd lay our life down for our brother. And it's not just talk. It's not just talk. Somebody say the father and the family. He said you're no longer just a servant. You're a son. And if you're a son, you're an heir of God. We know from Romans you're a joint heir with Jesus. Now go to Matthew 7. What's this got to do with healing? Well, only everything. <laughs> Matthew 7 and verse 7. What does it say? Ask and what? You just never know. Huh? Huh? You just never know what God's going to do. So what if I ask him for something? Well, you just never know. Because he knows better than we do. And sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait a while. Where is that? Where is that scripture? Where is that verse? Yet millions believe it. Millions would fight you over it. Wouldn't they? No, ask. Come on, tell me. Tell me what the scripture. I'm talking about the Bible. Jesus is talking. Some of y'all got red letters here, right? Huh? Red letters. Red letters trumps human ignorance. Right? Red letters trumps religious confusion. Somebody says, so-and-so's got three degrees. Yeah, but I got red letters. Red letters. <laughs> Tell me about these red letters. Ask and you shall receive. I'm liking this. Seek. And you shall find. Who said it? Who said it? Jesus said it. Knock. Huh? And it shall be opened unto you. Keep reading. Keep reading. Jesus is speaking. Red letters. For everyone that asks receives. Glory to God. This ain't religious. This is not what a lot of folks say. Everyone that asks Receives. Wonder what Jesus meant by that. Reckon what he meant by that. I know a friend of mine one time was teaching and, and he said it said he healed them all. And if you've studied the scriptures, you find that phrase numerous times. He multitudes came to him, said he healed them all. So he said he won't know what the Lord meant by that. So he <laughs> He, he launched on an etymological, a word study, and he looked up the words in the Hebrew and the Greek and the Chaldean and the Aramaic, and he just did him a study. And so we won't know, what did you find out? He said, well, he, he found out that, that this word is translated all from the Hebrew, from the Greek, 
And very similar in the Chaldean and the Aramaic. That what it really meant in the English was uh, all. (laughs) Well, that's what I thought he meant. Right? He healed them all. Everyone that asked. I wonder what he means by that. Everyone that asks receives. He that seeks finds. To him that knocks, it shall be open. Now we need to believe this. I said we need to believe this. We need to believe that every time we reach up, he reaches back. We need to believe what he said, that if we draw nigh to him, what will happen? He does draw nigh to us. If we ask him sincerely, he will answer us. If we seek him, he will reveal himself to us. And see, us expecting that is the faith he needs to do it for us legally. Can't go in going, well, we just don't, we never know. I'll, I'll throw out a bunch of prayers. We'll hope one of them will hit. We just, you just never know. No, that's unbelief. That's wavering, right? And the Bible said a man who wavers is double-minded and you won't receive. No, you got to get it settled. Jesus told it like it is. He told it correctly. This is right. He said, ask and you will receive. Everyone that asks receives. And what man is there among you? If he has a son, and his son asks him for some bread, will he give him a stone? Jesus is asking us a question. Here's a man. Here's a father. Here's a daddy. His boy asks him for some bread, and his daddy gives him a rock. <laughs> daddy, I'm hungry. Daddy, I'm hungry. Got to have some bread? Here, boy. Here's a rock. This will make a man out of you. Here. Yeah, but daddy, I'm hungry. I like some bread. Rock is what you're getting. Rock. Yeah, but I want bread. Yeah, but I know better. I know, you know, I know you're hungry and you think you want some bread, but I know better than you what you need. You need a rock. Now we're laughing, but I'm not the one who said this. Who said this? Why did Jesus say this? Because you'd have so many millions of ignorant folk. Trying to tell us we ain't got enough sense to know we need bread when we're hungry for bread. We got all these folks with education telling us God sometimes gives you a rock. And you just never know why. But you just have to, you know, if you get rock, make rock stew. You know, just (laughs) do the best you can with what you have to work with. Because God in his sovereignty and vast understanding have chosen to give you a rock. When everybody knew and thought you wanted bread, but God just knows better. <laughs> now, now you're laughing and smiling at me, but do not millions of Christians believe this? That sometimes God gives you rocks. And they got all these sayings, don't they? You know, sometimes the Lord gives you lemons, and so you just make lemonade. That ain't a scripture. Ain't no verse in there about making lemonade. <laughs> Sometimes you you know you pray for money to pay your bills and God just gives you more bills. Because he's teaching you something. No, no. If a son asks his daddy for some bread and he's hungry and he's bread, will a good daddy give him a rock? No. No. Keep reading. Come on, keep reading. If his son asks him for a fish, he says, no, boy, a snake is what you need. (laughs) I know you like fish, and I know you're hungry for fish, and I know you think you want a fish, but I'm your daddy. (laughs) And I know that what you really need is a snake. So here is you a snake, boy, and make a man out of you. (laughs) Now, I know we're laughing, but... Religion is telling myriads of Christians that God has given us rocks and he's given us snakes. And we don't know why, but by and by, we'll learn all about it. If we don't die first, you know. I mean, eating rocks and handling snakes is rough business. You may not last long enough to learn anything. 
It would be funny if it wasn't so sad. But we have millions of Christians that are eating gravel in life. Aren't they? And they are experiencing one thing after another that is biting them and stinging them and hurting them. And they got dust and gravel in their mouth. And their preachers are telling them God is giving it to them. Aren't they? They're telling them. Well, just be strong and eat your gravel. (laughs) Just be strong and be thankful for your snake. Just be thankful for your snake. <laughs> they all are laughing, but people are being told this. Jesus never said such a thing. He taught us this. He said, if a man, we're talking about a natural man and his natural son, he asked him for bread, is he going to give him a rock? Tell me the answer. Tell me the answer. No, he is not. If he asked him for a fish, is he going to give him a snake? No, he is not. Keep on reading. Keep on reading. If you then, being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? Glory to God. Let's get it straight. You ask for healing. Is God going to give you cancer instead? The Bible said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good. What's good? Healing or disease? Disease is not good. Someone said, well, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. No, it is not. No, it is not a blessing in disguise. It's stealing from you. It's robbing your life. It's robbing your family of you. Right? It's robbing your money. It's destroying something in your body. It's killing you. It is not a blessing in disguise. It is a curse. It is a rock. It is a snake. And your father didn't give it to you. And you don't have to have it. I said you don't have to have it. You can have the bread. You can have the fish. A good daddy, his son asked him for something, and it's good, and he needs it, and he's got it. What is going to happen? Sonny boy is going to get bread. Right? And sonny boy is going to get fish. We are sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed because he is our father. And he is a good father. Good fathers don't hurt their children. They don't break their arms. They don't inject them with disease. Huh? You'd never go for that. You'd never in a million years believe a daddy injected his child with some deadly disease. And you say, why did you do that? And they say, well, I'm teaching them something. You'd never accept that. But people sit up in church and believe that about God. Don't they? Only place they believe something like that's in church. Is he a worse father than natural fathers? No, he's better. He's better. He's better. Good God. Good healing. Good provision. Said out loud, if we know how to give good gifts to our children. What did it say? What did it say? How much more? Will our Father in heaven give what? Good things. Good things. Healing is a good thing. Prosperity, plenty is a good thing. Peace is a good thing. Protection is a good thing. How much more will our Father in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? Have you got a few more minutes? Huh? Because i got something else that goes right along with this. It's the very next reason. We are sure... It's God's will for all of us to be healed today. This will be reason number what, 14? Because healing is the children's bread. Say it out loud. Healing is the children's bread. Well, what if you ask daddy for some bread? Huh? Going to get a rock? Huh? Going to get a snake? No, he does not hand out rocks and snakes. Is there bread in God's provision? Look with me in, uh, you're there in Matthew 7. Just turn right over to the 15th chapter. Chapter 15. 
This is the story of the woman of Canaan whose daughter was uh, tormented and sick. The Bible said Jesus, verse 21, he went and departed into the coast of Tyre and Zidon. A woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to him and said, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. He answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. He answered and said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. He answered and said, It's not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. Now, there's a lot of questions you might have about how, uh, why he dealt with her the way he did. And I won't take the time to go into what little I have seen about it. But implications are that she was using borrowed phraseology. She wasn't coming to become a Jewish proselyte, a follower of God. She maybe heard somebody else say this kind of thing. And he's just looking to get a healing for her daughter. And there's a lot of people, they just want a blessing. They don't necessarily want God. They don't want to change their life. They don't want to serve him. They just want out of the mess that they're in so they can go back to their ungodly life. Well, that's a problem. I said, that's a problem. There's been people I've prayed for before. Uh, maybe there were time go on and they weren't responding like they should be. And I actually saw this one time. There was a couple that was bringing their daughter. And I saw this in prayer in the spirit. It was like they were trying to get no closer than they had to. To God to get that healing. And then they wanted to go back. They were wealthy. They wanted to go back to their country club life. And not go to church and not mess with God. They didn't really care about all that. But have you ever found out again and again. When you're wanting something from God. If you really press into God. You say Lord I need this and I need it quick. Could you just zap me and let me be about my way. Because I've got a lot of stuff going on today. And he'll say uh, come on up here boy. Come here. Come here. <laughs> Sit down right here. Man, you need to talk. Yeah, but God need to be healed. If you could just touch me and zap me and heal so I could go, you know, I, I got a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, come here. Come here and sit down. How many know the Bible said be still and know that he is God? And so many times the reason you got these problems is because you're moving too fast without him already. And you're about to have more problems so you don't get this fixed. And it ain't just a rush in, rush out, I need it, give me, let's go. No, there's bigger issues here that he needs to talk to you about. And you need to get worked out. And he'll say, what are you going to do about this thing I talked to you about five years ago? You go, well, you going to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. When are you going to do that? Yeah, but I just want to be healed. I just want to, could you just zap me? So... You know, she's using different phraseology and, and we won't go into all of what was going on. But she persisted and she worshipped him and she said, you know, help me. And he, what did he say? It's not me, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What is he referring to as the children's bread? What has she come asking for? She came seeking deliverance and healing. Right? For her daughter to be liberated from this torment and her daughter to be healed. You can see later in the passage, said her daughter was healed. And he calls it what? The children's bread. The children, the who? The children's bread. Well, she was a Syrophoenician, a Canaanite, an ungodly person. She was not a Jewish proselyte. But today you and I have been born again. We are the children. I said, we are the children. Well, the children's got bread. And what is the bread? The, The bread is deliverance from what torments and makes sick and healing from that which has damaged. Deliverance, freedom, and healing is called the children's bread. Now, I'm glad it didn't say children's dessert. Children's pie. Children's cake, because you might have thought it was something special that only a few people got once in a while if they were nice enough. No, children's bread. Everybody's supposed to get bread. Bread's a staple. Bread. Are you really trying to, you know, act special when you say, could I have a piece of bread? Huh? No. Anybody should get bread. And that's what she got a hold of. Anybody should get bread. Even if you weren't a part of the family, which she was not. He said, well, it's the children's bread. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What did she say? True. 
What'd you say? Truth, Lord. But what? Huh? Even the dogs get crumbs. Crumbs of what? Bread crumbs. Under the master's table. Now, boy, this is saying a lot. Her daughter is grievously vexed. Her daughter is in a mess. And yet, you know what she says? All I need is some crumbs. If I could just get some bread crumbs, we, we could be healed. I, you know, a slice of this bread, so powerful. All I need is some crumbs. And she said, the dogs get the crumbs, don't they? I mean, crumbs fall off the table. The dogs get them. So maybe I'm not in the family, you know, but hey, dogs, get crumbs. I believe a big smile come across Jesus' face. He said, woman, woman, you got some faith. Great is your faith. Be it unto you. And whole, glory to God, her daughter, the Bible said, was delivered and was healed from that hour. Well, you think there's still bread on the table? Go, go to Psalm 23. I think I can close with this. Psalm 23. Didn't Jesus say man shall not live by natural bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? His healing bread. His healing bread. The Bible said in Psalm 23. Are you there? Do you know it? Anybody know the 23rd Psalm? Psalm 23. What did he say? The Lord is my shepherd. Sometimes I have it. Sometimes I don't. Because you just never know. No, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know why sheep lie down in green pastures? Because their belly is full. Elsewise, they'd be up eating. You see a sheep, you see a cow laying down in the middle of the day and the grass waving over their head. You know why? Because their stomach is full. They can't eat no more. They got too much grass to eat. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Keep reading, keep reading. What? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This can't be in heaven. This can't be in heaven because your enemy's not up there. It's got to be down here on the earth. Is there a table of God's provision available to the children of God, even right down here in the middle of this devil field, curse field, sin and disease filled earth? There is. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Wonder if there's any bread on the table. What if a son asked for bread? Would a good father give him a rock? No, he's going to give him bread. What do we know according to the scripture is the children's bread. Healing, deliverance. Is the children's bread. Every child has a right to this bread. But you got to ignore the enemies. Don't you? You got to ignore the symptoms. You got to ignore the bad reports. And come right on up to the table. It's in the presence of your enemies. They'll try to distract you. But just ignore them and say, pass the bread please. I'll take some bread please. Two slices. We don't have to get by on crumbs. Crumbs enough to heal you. We can have a whole slice. Or two. I take two slices of bread and I take a big scoop of joy. Yeah. Give me a serving of peace. Thank you. (laughs) But you have to appropriate. You can't sit around and sing kumbaya. You got to come to the table and sit down and hold up your plate and ask and you shall receive. Seek. And you say, I'm seeking some bread. I'm seeking some bread. I'm asking for some bread. Pass the bread, please. Pass the bread. Pass the healing. And take yourself some healing. Take yourself the provision. Claim it. Believe you receive it. Lay hold of it with your spirit. It belongs to you. You have a right to it. Healing is the children's 
bread. Somebody say healing's a children's bread. I'm a child of the king. The bread belongs to me. Healing belongs to me. Glory to God. Stand up and raise your hands. Bless the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.